Well, alright. I said we're gonna have a good day. Hey. Welcome to Rise with Emily and Audra. I'm Dr. Emily McRae. And I am Dr. Audra Rankin. We are educators, healthcare providers, and mothers who view the world as an unlimited learning opportunity. RISE is a podcast that highlights how we learn from the experiences and stories of others to create new perspectives that improve our own work. Listen with us, think with us, learn with us. And along the way, be inspired to rise up above your day-to-day. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay, shouldn't come as a surprise. Cause every morning we will rise. Welcome to Rise with Emily and Audra. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Caroline Burkle, who also is um, a a podcaster. She wears many hats. Um, She um, is a podcaster, a business owner, and Olympic athlete, former Olympian. So we're so excited that you're here with us and so appreciative that you had the time to meet with us today. Thanks for being with us. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. So, Caroline, I I know you from the past days, but will you please tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, what your educational background is, and tell us, we're interested about your uh, path leading up to becoming a business owner mentoring young athletes. Yeah, so as you said, we both grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was born and raised there. And then I went, you know, swam for Lakeside and then went to the University of Florida for college. So stayed on the East Coast, stayed in the South there for a bit. After college, I ended up traveling out here to train professionally. And then I moved all over, honestly, all over Southern California and just working and training and trying to figure my life path out, which we can definitely get into. But that was after my time at the Olympics. And then I ended up moving back to the East coast to go to graduate school for sports psychology. And then I ended up just, I knew my, my heart was still out here. I loved a lot of aspects of California. A lot are really tough, but a lot of them I really liked and I felt very free and fluid out here. So I ended up moving back out here and I've been here ever since. So during that time though, of transitioning from graduate school to back out here was when we started rise. So I was also working with Lululemon at the time. So it was like a double whammy, but that's how, that's how we started our uh, mentorship program. And it was, there's a lot that goes into it, but it was just a decision that my business partner and I made. And I was standing in the parking lot of my apartment complex in Tennessee. And that was a pretty exciting time, but yeah, that's, that's my path in a nutshell been all over very much a seeker and and really wanting to figure out what made me tick and what uh, I could do differently in this world. Carolyn, I am um, so interested in your time as an Olympic swimmer, especially because we're recording this in the middle of the summer Olympics. So I um, know that you received a bronze medal in the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Can you tell us just a little bit about what that was like, and maybe you know some of your favorite memories or moments from representing the U.S. on such a large platform. 
Yeah. So I won a medal in 2008 and I was on the four by 200 freestyle relay. And it was such a special moment, honestly. You know, I dreamt ever since I was a little girl of going to the Olympics and I never really knew how in a lot of ways I was like, oh, you know, I want to do, I want to do that. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to, to go and I knew I wanted to represent my country and most importantly, be on a team of athletes. I thought that was the coolest part, <laughs> like just being able to be on a team that big of athletes going to represent your country. And so I competed in several international meets leading up to that. But when I made the Olympic team, I was 21. I just turned 21. No, I literally think I turned 21 during the meet. So I was young and yeah, it was super special. The Olympic trials were the hardest thing ever. And a lot of people will always say, and I I firmly believe it as well, that the Olympic trials are much harder than the Olympics (laughs) from a perspective of pressure and expectation and, you know, you're on your home turf, there's more energy, there's more nerves and the Olympics are very stressful as well, but it's different. You're, you're in a different mindset as well. And you have a lot of different things taking your attention. And so you have to really understand how to reel it in. So yeah, it was a really cool experience. My, my time leading up to it was full of ups and downs throughout my career and So that moment, that culmination of winning that medal and standing on the podium representing my country was like, everything flashes before your eyes. You're just like, whoa, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of weird experiences you have where you're so proud. And then you're also like, I could have done this better. And like, did I do this right? And is this even worth it? And you know, all these things and, and, oh, is this it? Like, so now what do I do? So you, you create this all these stories in your head. And then you, you have to process those as well. So it was so many beautiful emotions and then so many other emotions where I'm just like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to act. And and I'm afraid to be too excited. I don't want to look cocky. And then I'm afraid to celebrate. I don't want people drawing attention to it, but then I want to celebrate it, you know? So it was a slew of emotions. And I think the most important chapter of my life came after the medal though. Um, just, after that experience, for sure. Well, you definitely should celebrate. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) I definitely did. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Caroline, um, after that, you started a business, Rise Athletes, which we are so excited to hear about. I'm curious if you'll tell us a little bit about that, but also how'd you identify kind of your niche in the market and how did you determine the right time to launch this business? So I guess, tell us a little bit about it and then, you know, how you determined when you were going to launch it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about that because I would imagine that everyone listening right now is also, you know, very aware that there's no perfect way (laughs) there's, there's no right path. Like you don't just have the perfect plan and everything follows it. It's just not the way it goes. Even if you have the perfect plan, usually things will pivot. So it's a funny story. We ended up, um, Rebecca Sony, who's my business partner, Olympic gold medalist, like eight time medalist, fantastic human. We both had this bigger goal and we didn't know what it was. And so we would voice memo back and forth. And this is like 2012 time. So she had just finished swimming. 
she swam in 2012 Olympics, uh, my brother as well. They swam in 2012 together. And I remember I had, I had a really hard time, you know, just prior leading up to that for personal reasons and things I had gone through in my career that were really dark and, and impactful that I didn't really understand how to deal with. So I was like running away <laughs> from a lot of them, but I remember just voice memoing back and forth with Rebecca in 2012, like sharing my experiences about how I've just been shut down and kind of like running away and not really knowing what my worth is as a human being. I don't know what I'm supposed to do on this planet. I have no idea. It feels like I have all of these gifts. I'm like a, you know, what do they call them? Poly polymath where you like have all these interests and gifts and all these things you want to do. And you feel like you can do them all, but you don't know the world's telling you to focus on one thing and figure it out. And she was like, well, me too. You know, I'm feeling lost. I just finished my career. Like, what am I now? Who am I now? Am I just a medalist? Is that all I am? Like, I don't want people just to view me as that. And her and I went through this shame cycle of like, we don't want to just be that. Like, we want to be so happy and we want to be so, you know, celebratory of our experiences. And trust me, we had plenty of nights out having a blast about our experiences, but that wasn't, that wasn't everything. Like it wasn't fulfilling us. It wasn't creating that joy. And so those conversations led to a greater vision. So it all started with just connection about an experience and about what it is that we can do to find our identity and what would have been helpful for us during that process. So we had these deeper conversations. She was living out here. I was in Tennessee, you know, or, and we were just voice memoing and calling each other and all this stuff. So I guess the answer to that question is literally connection and conversations. Like everyone thinks that you just have to like sit down in a boardroom and like have a business plan and look at each other and be like, we're going to do this. But a lot of times things start from recognizing that there's a problem and then learning how you can solve that problem. And you may not be able to solve it, but you can at least speak to it and start to figure out ways to do that. So that's how it started. <laughs> that's honestly where it began was conversations. And then we went from there and said, we have this idea, let's make this a business and see what happens. Even if it's just something small on the side we can do was kind of our mindset at first, but yeah, just following that passion to solve what we, what we wish we would have had, like what we wish we could have created. Carolyn, you, you speak so much about connection and conversations and that makes me think about mentorship and how important connections and conversation are to mentoring and, you know, being mentored. Um, so I, I'm curious about how that played a part in the development of RISE. I know that RISE um, has a huge commission of mentorship towards young athletes. So can you talk about maybe experiences where you have been mentored and and also the mission of Rise and the value you place on mentorship to young athletes. Yeah. And to kind of, I guess, segue from the conversations Rebecca and I had, we figured out that we would have loved to have had guidance along our path. And it's not that we didn't have guidance in a lot of ways. Like we had coaches, we had you know, support teams left and right and, you know, trainers and, and, and everyone, it was fantastic. Like you have all that, but how important would it have been to have had a role model or a mentor or someone that you can talk to about the things that are really difficult for you or the things you're unsure about or the things you need advice on, or just someone to listen. So we figured that out and we were like, look, like we have parents asking us to talk to their kids right now. 
And neither her nor I were really super crazy about just teaching physical less swim lessons or like physical coaching. We, we, it just wasn't my passion, like, and it wasn't hers. So we figured out that mentorship was that ticket. Like that's the thing that we could provide that hasn't been done. And this, and this was like 2015 and, you know, all these parents, again, all these parents were, Hey, talk to my kids. And it's like, well, we could actually make this into a thing because this is something that most parents would want for their teenagers to have a role model, to have a mentor, to have somebody to look up to. So we started there and we started with Christy Kowal was our first mentor, 2000 Olympian. And, you know, it was just really, really cool to see that grow from just Rebecca and I with an athlete each, Christy with an athlete each to now we have 44, 45 mentors and hundreds of athletes. So everyone has their own, they're all independent contractors and can work with their own caseload of athletes. So it's grown in that way, but it's taken five years to get to that point of pivoting and shifting and changing and having different conversations and figuring out languaging and like, what's our niche here and what's the ethics code here and what does the training look like here? And, you know, creating this business has taken a lot of time, but we kept following that goal and that mission where it was like, this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. We just need to figure out the details of that on the business side. Um, But that mentorship piece is key. And that's what everyone was desiring and what everyone really feels the most connected with because the end of the day, it's connection. I was going to say, it goes back to the connections that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can give somebody all the information in the world, but if they don't feel like they're connecting with it, what's the point? Like kids don't need more text. I mean, yes, we all need more books, but we don't need more lectures of like, here's this information. It's like, we need someone to connect with us about that information and about what we're experiencing and how we can use feelings as information. And they're not bad. It's just ways to make yourself better. And I think all of those conversations are starting to become more popular now and more, you know, people are becoming more aware of them. Um, you know, I think growing up, I'm sure you all can resonate with this too. The conversations weren't about that. It was like, toughen up, suck it up, buttercup, get your shit together and let's get it done. You know, and that's great. Like that serves a purpose in a lot of ways for the right timing of things. Like, you know, you can't, if you're behind the blocks at a race or like doing so, you know, performing a surgery or working with a patient or something like that. Like you can't just be like, my feelings are in the way, you know, like, <laughs> you have to learn. But the, the point of mentorship is, is that you can have the space for that and then take whatever you learn and apply it to what you're doing in your life so that you can make whatever you're doing better. It's not like a scapegoat, you know? So I think that's the important thing to remember that our society is starting to learn is like, okay, this is just a staple offering that people can have so that they can make themselves better humans. Like it's just, it's as simple as that. You said that way better than, mm-hmm. than I could have, than I could have. I that. <laughs> um, uh, Carolina, I'm also curious. And so you've mentioned some of these other professional athletes, which I think is a really interesting piece and concept with your, your all's business. Um, but you have other professional athletes that are mentors, um, that you recently just mentioned when you are searching for, for other athletes to participate in your business, do you find that they have similar beliefs to you and Rebecca, uh, related to leadership and mentorship or similar experiences to you all or both? (laughs) The mentors that we bring on all do have this mission. And then we actually check 
so when they come onto our program, they apply and they have to do a video of like their testimony as to why this is important to them. Story tell, create that, you know, storyline along why they want to be a mentor, like why it would have benefited them, what their reasons are in that way. And then we interview them and bring them on. And, and we usually take small groups. Like we had like 30 some odd mentors last time that applied and we only took eight. So it's, or no, we had more than that, but usually, you know, we, we make sure that their value systems and their mission is along those lines. This isn't just a quick fix for them. This is like a longer term understanding of what they can do to make that impact. Carolyn, I'm a, a little bit curious about the mentorship process and positive psychology that you use. And that's something that I don't know a lot about. And I'd love to learn a little bit more um, about what all goes into positive psychology for athletes. Yeah. So one of the things that we focus on at Rise is not a fix-it mentality. So this isn't a you're broken, we're here to fix you. We're not licensed psychologists and we have our masters in psychology, but we're not licensed to diagnose and fix. And that's, that's our, uh, entire mantra and mindset is that these athletes don't view themselves as broken. So positive psychology and my, my degrees in sport psychology specifically, and Rebecca with positive, we've blended the two and we started to find that the athletes that respond the best to feedback are the ones that understand their strengths and their weaknesses and can utilize both of them to elevate their performance. So something that positive psychology does really well is starts to understand and frame things in a way that is forward thinking and momentum and growth mindset. So you're not inside this, you're broken, we need to solve you and figure out what's wrong it's more like what's not right. Like how can we, you know, the languaging is shifted. So it's not what's wrong with you. It's like, what's not operating at optimal performance. Like how can we change that? So in a nutshell, without diving into too much of it, that's the main idea is we're taking the conversation from, oh my God, this person has anxiety. We need to fix this <laughs> to, okay, my athlete has anxiety. Can you guys help him or her, they are, you know, can you help? Yes, we can, because we can help that athlete understand that they're not broken, that this is just what isn't right. Like, when have you felt your best? How can we get back to that experience so that they understand this isn't um, a downward hill? This isn't, you know, this is momentum. So we're, we're, we're not spiraling out of control here. Um, and that really helps because I think the first feeling that they have is like, I'm held. I understand that you're here for me. You don't think something's wrong with me. And that mindset goes a long way because that's what our role is, is as mentors is to guide them and allow them to feel that sense of confidence that they're not going to fall apart tomorrow. Well, and I, I think, you know, as you're talking, it also makes me think of connections and conversations, right? Like you all, it sounds like can connect to them on such a deeper level than maybe others can because you've also been athletes and, you know, can share um, a lot of experiences. I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. Caroline, do you feel that you and other mentors also gain from this relationship? I mean, or have positive 
learning experiences from these relationships, both mentor and mentee are, you know, I guess benefiting from the, the process. Yeah. And that was our, our goal from the beginning as well is just how can we create the foundations for mental wellness and mindset development at a young age while also providing this significance and leadership and um, honestly purpose, like a way to make yourself um, grow as a human for the mentors. So that mutually beneficial relationship, I think anybody listening or anybody ever in the world that says I've mentored someone has benefited some way just by learning from that person. Like, you know, Rebecca and I work with a small handful of athletes now just because we're running the business. But when we had 12 athletes each, you know, several years ago, I would have days where I was just so exhausted by the end of the day and in a good way. But you really realize how much they've impacted you. Like they'll say one thing and you're like, oh, (laughs) I didn't think of it that way, you know? And so it's cool to be able to be, you know, in your early thirties and listen to someone that's 15 saying something that you had no idea. And so keeping that open-mindedness as a mentor is really important. And that's something we value with bringing people on. It's like, this is just as much for you as it is for them. and, And you guys can feel like you're growing together, which is really cool. That is very cool. I'm curious, um, as you talk about how listening to and working with all of these um, mentees can be exhausting, I, I, I can relate to that. I know you can too, Emily, whether it's teaching or patient, you know, after a long day of a lot of conversation, you, you just go home still loving your work, but mentally exhausted. So I'm curious about how you take care of yourself after hard days like that and what your go-to self-care, for lack of a better word, uh, strategy is after hard days. That's a great question. I was not good at this for a very long time. I'm going to throw that out there now that I was not good at this. I found a lot of, um, you know, part of my journey in within Rise is I think it's healed me in a lot of ways because, and, and Rebecca could say the same, because at the beginning when we started, we were still in the athlete way of, you know, the 1990s and 2000s of like work until you drop or else you are not worthy. <laughs> and so, which again is totally fine. And I think, well, I'll always have that, you know, but I think that that's just sort of what like society and media always kind of portrayed. And, and so we started and we were burnt out all time and just constantly exhausted. And so we sort of both hit this point about, I don't know, two years in where we were like, we don't do anything for ourselves. We need to start structuring our days finding specific times to do these, like, you know, making sure we're taking care of our, our health in the process. And so we now have like windows and we try and stop early on Fridays at noon so that we can shut down. Cause we just go pretty hard during the week still, but with lots of breaks, but to answer your question, <laughs> I removed the worth of working until I dropped from my vocabulary. Like that was making me feel worthy. And so I never took care of myself. And once I started to realize that work is an extension of my being, like it's just another experience that I can deliver into this world. It's not me totally. Like I embody my work, but I'm not like weighed down by it to where I can't breathe. And it's my only existence and my only um, worth and value as a human. And so that allowed me to be like, all right, I'm going to stop at four today and I'm going to go on a walk or 
I'm going to like lay on the floor for 45 minutes and stare at the ceiling and like meditate or, and, you know, and I have those luxuries now because we've always been a work from home business in the first place, but you know, I don't have children. So it's like, it's an easier way for me to just unwind. So honestly, very simple things, meditation, going on walks, breath work, exercise. Like I love fitness. Uh, my body only lets me do like three hard workouts a week now instead of like five, <laughs> but I, I do that allows to me to move energy through my body. And of course the typical, you know, massages and, and things like that, that are really helpful for my sanity and my mental well being and just things that of solitude, nature, stuff like that. Took a while to get there. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I pointed that out. Cause I know in your industry, that can be an extreme thing that I cannot even begin to imagine. Um, in, 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 yeah. Caroline, really quick, uh, cause we're about to the end of our time here, but do you have a favorite success story of a pairing of a mentor and mentee that you could share? You don't have to give us names, but maybe something, you know, a, a, something that came from that pairing or something funny or. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about this before and it's so hard because I have so many, but, um, I would say honestly, the greatest success stories and, and we have so many of, of college scholarships and, you know, actual, just really wonderful achievements where, uh, their college scholarships, state championships, making the zone team, making an all-star squad, making, you know, softball, uh, junior championships, like all of these things are all have happened, like all of them. But as far as like an emotional and mental standpoint, everything that I, that we have heard, and this is across the board, not even just one story, but will be parents coming to us and reaching out via email or, you know, however, on, on our platform, just like my son or daughter, absolutely listening, opening up more. I see the relationships with their friends enhancing the relationship with me is increasing, uh, their ability to calm themselves and regulate their nervous systems is way different than it used to be like not needing somebody like, you know, it's like they're going in and just like sitting with it for a second and like being able to calm themselves down in certain ways during competition and whatnot. So all of those kinds of success stories are just coming in quite often. So that's like a very cool thing. Cause that's what we strive to do is change that well-roundedness. Like it's not just a sport thing, but it trickles into their life. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for talking with us and letting us learn a little bit more about rise and your positive psychology and mentorship. And, um, this has been wonderful. We, we like to end our talks with a couple of rapid fire questions. Um, <laughs> so these are just the first thing that comes to mind, not a long answer, just a couple words. Um, but our first question is always, um, what is your favorite leadership quote or book? These are always so hard for me, guys. I'm so, <laughs> I always want to say a million things. I'm going to go with books uh, time and time again. So I, I know this are rapid fire, but I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm big on mind body connection. So anything to where we can understand what our bodies are showing us, because especially as athletes and as mentors gives us information and vice versa. So um I like books that are not like, this is a leadership book. I like books where people are like embodying their work and I'm learning from their leadership. So less explaining and more embodiment, like they're just doing what they're doing. And I find that very inspiring. So uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I love him. Uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson, um, 
I like, I really, anything Brene Brown, of course, just <laughs> my head. Um, yeah, Body Keeps Score, Dr. Peter Levine, just things like that where you're really re- uh, listening to people that have been saying these things for a long time and, and it's not, it's been a little bit taboo and, until now where people are realizing how interconnected everything is. I love that stuff. <laughs> okay, question number two. What is one thing on your wish list related to healthcare? This could be anything you'd like to see happen in the healthcare industry. Really, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> More insurance coverage for mental health services. Like it has to happen. And I know that that's, and, and functional medicine, uh, holistic style services. Like hands down, if our country in, in America was, you know, giving people functional medicine doctors and their teens and helping them understand what foods do to them, different foods and, you know, talking about acupuncture and, and, uh, you know, therapy services and things like that. Like I can't imagine if that stuff was more accessible to every population, how much better we'd be and healthier. Great answer. Our final question Our whole podcast is really based on the value of lifelong learning and learning from others. And so because we believe in the value of lifelong learning so much, we're curious to find out if you could learn anything new, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I really want to take an interpretive dance class. Like I want to learn how to dance, but in more of like the ballet contemporary that would be so fun to me. I just, I think that would be such a, a rush of different skills on land that like take swimming and put it on land, maybe a little bit. E- either that, or again, back to the topic before, just, I love functional medicine. I, sometimes I wish I went into that, um, either that or some sort of holistic modality as something that I could incorporate. Cause I really believe in it a lot. Um, just alongside medicine. I think it's a really good benefit that people can have. So I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for your time today and for teaching us. We've enjoyed, I know both of us have enjoyed learning from you today and we just really appreciate again, your time. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was fun. Caroline Burkle is well known for being an Olympic swimmer and receiving a bronze medal in 2008, which is a huge accomplishment. She shared that her experience in the Olympics was full of ups and downs. She was so proud of herself, but then she didn't know what to do when it was all over. I don't know about you, but I found that her experiences after swimming in the Olympics were so interesting. I completely agree. I was expecting to be so fascinated by her career and swimming and with her experiences in the Olympics. And just like you, Emily, I was like more intrigued really by what happened after um, the swimming. So in Carolyn's experience, she knew she had a gift for swimming, but she recognized that she also had a lot of other gifts and interests. And she said something that I thought was really interesting. She said the world often tells you to focus on one thing. Um, and in her case, you know, that one thing was swimming and to figure it out. And then when that was over, she really struggled with the questions of what am I now and who am I now? I think Caroline had to be extremely resilient. She had to dig deep to find her next steps. And she realized that there is no right path. 
and that you don't have to have a perfect plan where everything falls into place. Whether you're an Olympic swimmer or a healthcare leader, the realization that sometimes taking a moment to reflect on your past experiences and giving yourself some time, I guess, to think and understand that sometimes a windy path proves to be the most valuable can be extremely beneficial. I think that is such a huge deviation from how we treat patients and how we operate in healthcare. You know, in healthcare, we obviously want the straight and narrow. We want the perfect path to treatment, to low cost, to high quality care. Yet when we think about our own personal development as leaders, taking time to slow down and to try different things and just think can often be the best path forward. I think in our day-to-day life, we can take this advice as well. By taking the windy road, Caroline ended up starting Rise Athletes, and it's a mentor program, as we've learned, for young athletes. And this endeavor started from recognizing that there was a gap in support for professional athletes. Caroline wanted to start something that she wished she had when she was going through similar experiences. She connected with others over her experience had some conversations, and turned that into a business plan, and ultimately found her new identity as an entrepreneur and a professional mentor, which I thought was absolutely amazing. And what's even more amazing is that what started as connections and conversations turned into a business that now has 45 different mentors and hundreds of athletes. And the mentors serve as independent contractors with their own caseload. It's pretty impressive. Although their business has expanded, she emphasized that at the end of the day, connection is still the core. Caroline mentioned that mentorship provides a space to share feelings and the opportunity to take what you've learned and apply it to your life. Rise Athletes uses positive psychology to change the dialogue around personal experience. There isn't a fix-it mentality, but rather an approach that provides feedback so that athletes can understand their strengths and weaknesses and actually use both to elevate their performance. I think that we can use this approach in so many different ways in healthcare. In patient care, changing the mentality of you're broken and we're going to fix you to maybe a more softer mentality of this is what you're doing well and this is what we can work on improving could prove to be really beneficial for lifestyle counseling and management of chronic diseases. Audra, I love the idea of approaching our patient care as mentors using positive psychology. I can't imagine that wouldn't also empower our patients in their own care. We often respond better when we hear what we are doing well, not what we are doing wrong. Emphasizing strengths of our patients and their families, as well as opportunities for improvement and growth, can be valuable. And a more inclusive approach, I think, in health education This approach can also be used when working with members of our own team. Rather than focusing on what is wrong, using positive psychology to change the dialogue to highlight what is working well and what we can improve upon can elevate individual performance as well as the performance of the collective team. I agree. And at the end of our interview, I was really left with a new appreciation of the dialogue around positive psychology, which quite frankly, I didn't know much about until Caroline explained it, um, and how you can use that with a variety of people and experiences. 
don't get me wrong. There, I think, are a lot of situations in healthcare that's better, a big deviation from the mentality of positive psychology. You know, when we have an emergency appendectomy or a screaming baby with an ear infection or a workforce shortage, there is a time and a place for that type of we need to fix this and we need to fix it quickly mentality. Yet, I think there's also a time and place for flipping the focus from this needs to be fixed to this is what you're doing well and this is how we can make it better. As a healthcare leader, being well-versed in a variety of strategies leads to more competent decision-making. You know, I like to describe to my girls that they need a lot of tools in their toolbox. And I use that phrase when they're doing math homework and need to count in a different way or even in a situation where they're at a birthday party and they don't feel comfortable. But I felt like learning about Caroline's mentorship plan was just another tool that I gained in my professional leadership toolbox. I really like that analogy, Audra, and probably wonderful for your for your girls to learn from. I also think it's important to remember that this all started with the connections and conversations. Taking time to think and to connect with others and to learn with and from others is something we can all forget to do with our hectic, busy schedules. Caroline highlighted that one of the most important chapters of her life came after her Olympic medal. Understanding that there's often no perfect straight path, but often surprising, rewarding, and successful, yet curvy and maybe sometimes scary paths can be (laughs) really liberating. Caroline encouraged us to enjoy our own paths, knowing that connections and conversation can guide the way, and that by understanding our strengths and opportunities for growth, we can elevate ourselves, our team, and elevate the patients we serve. Thanks for learning with us. This isn't a podcast about healthcare. It's about how we learn from the experiences of others to make healthcare better. Rise with Emily and Audra was produced with Resonate Recordings. The original song, Rise, was composed and performed by Alex Crum. This really shouldn't come as a surprise Knock us down a thousand times In the mornings we will rise This really shouldn't come as a surprise Knock us down a thousand times In the mornings we will rise Okay Shouldn't come as a surprise Cause every morning we will rise